Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Raising Good Humans. I'm Dr. Elisa Pressman, and today's episode is sponsored by my new friends at Healthy Nest. Healthy Nest makes the most premium plant-based diapers and wipes that are safe for baby's brain, body, and our planet. Plus, they are so soft, so your baby will love them. Healthy Nest's mission is to protect and enrich the full potential of every child. During these challenging times, the Healthy Nest team are working around the clock to provide diapers and wipes to everyone looking for the best for their baby. And Healthy Nest is raising the bar on transparency and safety for baby products when we need it most. Their products are verified by the Environmental Working Group. To see more, go to healthynesting.com. That's healthynestning.com. And if you enjoy this episode, don't hesitate to subscribe, rate, and even write a little review. I would, I would love it. So what is resilience? Even the most protective, race-to-the-rescue parents cannot shield their child from every emotional hurt, disappointment, insecurity, humiliation, all the things that you can think of that make childhood tricky, that are just inescapably part of growing up. And it's the ability to bounce back and thrive despite hardships that is resilience. It's not something you're born with, so you can't be resilient in that way. You're not just, you don't come out of the womb resilient. Rather, you build just the skill to be able to navigate and bounce back, even thrive despite obstacles. And that can be taught and developed, and that's what today's episode is about. So picture a balance scale with adverse experiences on the one side. So those are all the obstacles and stressors and challenges. And then on the other side, coping skills. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Those are things like optimism, mindfulness, perspective taking, and then protective experiences like relationships, having a sense of agency, having a growth mindset. Those are on the other side. When a child thrives... And you can define thriving however you want. I think of it as socially, emotionally, academically, despite a very heavy load of adversity on that scale, that's when you see resilience. Think about your child because temperament matters. So who your child is, is going to matter. How well does she cope with setbacks? How well does she react to frustrations? How does she react? Is it 
incredibly emotional? Does it feel like she goes from zero to 60 really quickly? Or is there a slow rise? How does she recover from distress? When the demands placed on your child outweigh her capacity to handle them, what does she do? Because that's where stress comes in. And how does she recover? Resilience can be taught, and that is the great news. And this is not just, you know, how psychologists make people feel better. There's tons of research on this. And we can build resilience, model resilience, and strengthen resilience at any age through various experiences and skills. But the foundation for resilience is relationships. So what does it mean if the foundation of resilience is relationships? What does that mean for you? It means to prioritize closeness and connection to your child. So if your child feels loved unconditionally, listened to, seen, encouraged, and supported, that means she'll be more likely to be receptive to your guidance and modeling, which have the potential to equip her with capacities that will benefit her throughout her lifetime. And it's the combination of a supportive relationship and the adaptive skill building and growth experiences that's at the foundation of resilience and with the protective benefits of an emotional and stable relationship extending to all adults, whether it's aunts, teachers, neighbors, or coach. So how do experiences and skill building grow resilience? Well, first of all, we need to talk about the benefits of seeking help when needed. Kids need to know and they need to see you doing it. So while being resourceful is important to resilience, so I'm not saying that if your kids come to you with a problem, what you do is fix it. That's not how you're reinforcing the idea of seeking help when you need it. What you're showing them is knowing when to ask for help. So you want to make sure that your child knows that asking for help when things become too difficult or challenging is not a sign of weakness, but an opportunity to get a different perspective, to talk through alternative solutions and to feel less stressed and better able to manage. Thanks to feeling heard and understood by that close relationship. So when a child, for example, comes to you because they've asked that, you know, they've realized they, they've hit a challenge and they, they're asking for help, don't just solve the problem for them, but sit and walk through with them how they can solve the problem with you sprinkling in guidance as needed. So maybe you ask them, so what are your thoughts about what you want to do here? Do you want my advice or do you want me to just listen? You might say, okay, so walk me through if, if that's your plan what does it look like going forward? So you're just kind of sharing with them how you process through problem solving. You also can do it in front of them. So when you hit a wall or when you hit a challenge that you need extra support for, let them see that you say, you know what, I think I need to, to call so-and-so about this and get a little bit of advice. You also want to encourage your child to take on challenges and healthy risks. Resilience needs obstacles and setbacks and stresses to grow. So by encouraging your child to try things that she's nervous about or to take on a task that she's intimidated by, her confidence and willingness to take on future challenges grows. And this can be anything. So we're trying to create small environments of adversity and stress so that your child can learn how to navigate that. Those small things can be anything from a toddler 
having to really work hard at getting their shoe on, even though it's been so much easier to have somebody put it on for them. Or it can be when you have a teenager try a class that seems a little bit too difficult for them, but they know they can do it and they just need to give it a try. And they might fail, but that's okay. Because if you don't focus on the outcome of the risk that they took, so if they're going to take a really difficult class, don't focus on the grade they get so that if they do fail, you can in good faith and good conscience say, hey, I know that it's not ideal that you didn't do well in this class, but I have to tell you, I'm so impressed that you gave it a shot because it's so much easier to just take the easy way out so they can feel good about it. And then they'll be more likely to try it in other ways. Hello, I'm Helen Johannesson, the owner of Helen's Wines in Los Angeles. This is Wine Face, my podcast that breaks down the ins and outs of wine to an easy, digestible, and more snackable level. We are dropping new episodes every Thursday. So grab a glass of wine, gather some friends, sink into the bathtub, or listen to me on the go. Every Thursday, Wine Face drops. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Can't wait to hear from you and for you to listen along. Resist the urge to rescue. You really, 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 really have to fight this from the minute that you have your little one because all we want to do is wrap them up in protection because we love them. But fight back against the natural urge that is completely part of your parenting instinct because you want to solve your child's problems and explain away her upset, tell her why she needn't feel sad. But by always rushing into the rescue, by always giving a reason why they don't need to be upset, not only do children get the message that you don't think they're capable of handling things on their own, but it also kind of robs them of their opportunity to practice coping difficult feelings and stress and adversity. And the the most important thing is that they have opportunities to practice things so that when the big stuff comes at them, it's not unfamiliar. And we know that we cannot create a world for them in any way, shape, or form that will remove feelings that are difficult. So let's let them sit with those feelings and learn that they can survive even having difficult feelings, which does not mean that you don't empathize. In fact, empathizing with your children is an important part of building resilience. So when your child has an intense reaction to a negative situation, no matter how ridiculous, no matter how dramatic it sounds or babyish you think it might be, avoid dismissing, belittling, explaining away, shaming. You want to connect with your child through that empathy because empathizing with her big feelings does not mean that you agree with them. It just means that you hear her, that you see what she's going through and that you understand how she's feeling. Maybe not with regard to whatever it is that set her off in the first place, but you have absolutely felt just as out of control and you have had similar reactions about other things. So just empathize with the feelings themselves. We all know that feeling heard and understood by anybody that loves us helps us feel more calm. And that gives your child a calm to give her brain practice managing those overwhelming emotions. And then... When she has big feelings triggered another time, she's going to remember that and get better at handling them. Dr. Dan Siegel, 
who has been on the podcast a couple of times, always says you have to name it to tame it. And it's so true. Whenever you respond with emotion, identify the feeling that you believe that she's experiencing so that you can help her name it. You might say something like, I can see you're feeling very frustrated that you can't go outside. Describe what you see. I can tell you're frustrated because I see your jaw and your hands are clenched and you stomped your foot. Your child has to be able to identify the big emotions she's feeling and the body signals that go along with it in order to be able to manage it and to take back control. So just remember, name it to tame it. And don't be afraid to talk to your child about her brain, like a scientist. Talk to your child about how her brain controls what she feels and how she reacts to things. Let her know, depending on her age, that when something makes her feel threatened or afraid, the amygdala in her lower brain, which you can call her lizard brain if she's younger, although I say it to adults, that lower brain, the emotional brain, sends off an alarm, which is supposed to travel to her upper brain, her thinking brain, where her prefrontal cortex is housed, where it will be evaluated, and the prefrontal cortex, that wizard brain, will evaluate whether it's really a big deal, something to set the alarm bells off or not. And if it's not, it says, you can calm down, don't worry about it. That's basically a description of a stress response. The thing is that sometimes when the alarm is too strong in your lizard brain, because you just have very intense emotions, that brain shuts down communication to the prefrontal cortex, to the wizard brain, and all the logical thinking that you can get from it. It Basically, it hijacks your brain and it makes you have really big reactions and do really often, you know, regrettable things. Resilience is contingent upon the capacity to activate that wizard brain so it can evaluate and determine false threats and reverse the physiological changes that are activated by stress. Remember when I was describing like clenched fists and um you know, stomping feet. Those are the physiological signs that that child was frustrated. We need our wizard brain to reverse that response and help us take a breath and expand our capacity to cope with, to adapt to, or to figure out whatever it is that set us off in the first place. So when your child understands what's going on in their brain, it's easier for them to name what's happening, which makes it easier to tame what is happening. You also want to model and teach your children coping skills. So instead of dismissing or criticizing your child for the big reactions that you're seeing and the negative behaviors, which inevitably can increase feelings of shame and escalate a dysregulated response. I mean, think about the last time you were upset. If somebody just tells you to calm down or says you're blowing it out of proportion, does that help? It usually does not help. It usually makes you feel. So you want to discuss the various coping strategies that your child can use to help manage those big feelings better before they become overwhelming. So it's important that you also recognize how you typically respond to stress and setbacks. Because if you tend to overreact and fall apart, the thing is that your child is more likely to as well. So even before you go into anything else about your child's reactions, 
you can do a tremendous amount to support your children's self-regulation by practicing getting a little bit less reactive yourself. And how can any of us do that? Well, first, focus on breathing. Because by slowing down our breath and focusing on the air moving in and out of our nose, changes between the inhales and the exhales, you activate your parasympathetic nervous system, which calms down your stress response. If you think about it, anytime you're really upset, if you can get yourself to take a breath, you just can't be in that stress response anymore. It changes your whole physiology. So how do you do that? You practice mindfulness. That's one way. Practicing mindfulness in different ways. There are wonderful apps. There's wonderful activities that you can do. And again, they can watch you. You can invite them to join you. But the best way to do it is to model it. And your child will get better at noticing her feelings and her thoughts and her body signals by staying in the present moment with a sense of curiosity and compassion for herself and others. That's what we do when we practice mindfulness, or at least that's what we're hoping that we're doing. And again, just get Calm app or Headspace or whatever app you like. There's also really cool activity cards. They're called Mindful Games. And you can just pull one out. It takes just a few minutes. And it's really a practice that you can do every single day when you're not in a stress brain. And it can help you and your child model and experience coping skills. A very challenging but important thing to do that's associated with resilience is to reframe negative thinking. And that's tricky because we spend years becoming very good at negative thinking and what you practice grows stronger. To quote Dr. Shauna Shapiro, who um, has also been on this podcast a couple of times, when you practice negative thinking over and over, you get really expert at it. What we want to do is teach our kids to practice reframing negative thinking. And you can do that by helping them in real time reframe their language when they get stuck. So instead of getting stuck ruminating over the negative aspects of a situation or the things that she wishes were different, you get your child to identify the specific aspects of a situation that she finds challenging so that she can see if there's something she can change. Then if she finds out it's out of her control entirely, you can help her turn her attention away from the negatives and towards something that she might gain by pushing through them, by enduring them. Like the opportunities she wouldn't have otherwise or the strengths that she might develop by persevering despite this challenge. Perspective is also a way to shift negative thinking. Because in stressful or challenging situations, you can help her see things in perspective by placing her personal situation in a bigger context. Now is a perfect time when if you hear your child talking about how she's the only one experiencing this terrible situation because she's not seeing her friends and it's messing with her social life or she's missing a graduation ceremony or I mean, there's just so much going on that you could name. You want to remind her that there's a much bigger context of her life, of what she's going to be able to do, of what she can do, and 
that other people are right there with her. Sometimes we lose perspective. And again, you don't say it in a shaming way. It's really to help her develop a sense of perspective and look at things from a larger context. And challenge her negative thinking patterns so that she learns to challenge them as well. So you want to get her to start thinking about where her mind goes in these times of strife. Do her thoughts usually exacerbate the stress? Are they actually accurate? Can she think of other ways to interpret the same situation that don't exacerbate her stress, but instead reflect a more positive outlook? This is easy to do when you catch your child giving you extreme scenarios because you can state what you're hearing and reflect it back. Like what I think you're trying to say is that you feel like you're never going to have as close of a relationship with any of your friends anymore because of this time apart. And as she hears you reflecting back what you think she means, she'll be able to hear that it may not be that accurate. And if she can't, you could say, I just want to check in. Do you think that's really accurate? Another very obvious but sometimes forgotten aspect of building resilience is get moving. Kids who exercise, just like adults, have the opportunity to increase the neurochemicals that calm the brain in times of stress. It boosts the feel-good hormones, those endorphins, and it's a great distraction from worries. So let your child know that whatever activity that gets her body moving and active can make her brain more resilient to stress. And if she doesn't want to do it, just make a family rule or a house joke or figure out some way to just say, I'll do it with you. We're going, we're going to talk about this as long as you want, but first we're going to go outside for a 10 minute run or even a five minute run and use humor because being able to have a sense of humor, even in the hardest and darkest of times helps you guys feel more connected, helps others feel more connected to you. And it just unifies everybody. There's a collective laugh going on. I mean, that's why kids are passing around all these memes and TikToks and online jokes. Finally, you want to model and teach problem-solving skills. You want to teach your child various ways to manage when things go wrong or she becomes overwhelmed by emotion. So you do that with reflection. You get your child to describe situations she finds troubling or stressful so that she can reflect on ways she might approach them differently the next time. Baby steps are really important to make problems or stressors feel less overwhelming. You can just show how you can break those problems up into more manageable steps and then brainstorm together lists of possible solutions for each of the baby steps instead of trying to solve the giant problem. Then you can really make it easier to brainstorm possible solutions for each one so that she could try it out and teach her how to make informed decisions that can alleviate stress by making lists of pros and cons before she makes decisions. And also you want to make sure that she takes breaks when it comes to strengthening her brain's capacity to think logically and problem solve. So when you are under stress, if you've ever found yourself being like, I don't have time for dinner. I don't have time for that. I can't take a break right now. I've got a ton of work. That's right when you need to say, you know what? I I am going to take a break because a five minute break now is actually building my resilience and I'm going to get better work done. And When you model a growth mindset, 
that belief that there's potential to improve at anything with practice and effort, again, it goes back to what you practice grows stronger. That makes the likelihood of getting derailed or side railed in tough times much less likely. It puts you in a position of instead of throwing in the towel when things get hard and just saying, forget it, I give up, this is too hard. It just makes you realize like, well, I've done hard things before. I can get through this. So you really want to encourage your child to take on challenges, like I talked about in the beginning, that make her get out of her comfort zone, regardless of the outcome. Just do not talk about the successful outcome, whether you're talking about a toddler finishing a puzzle or a kid getting an A in a class that she thought she was going to fail. You don't want to talk about the outcome. What you want to talk about is that process that she went through. So reframe mistakes and reframe failures and reframe challenges as opportunities to learn. And be sure that you reflect these claims in what you do as a parent and what you say as a parent. So you notice and acknowledge when she shows courage to try something new, when you show courage to try something new, and the times that she puts efforts into things she wants to improve in. It's so awesome. And that encourages optimism. And unlike pessimism, optimists are among the most resilient people we know. Because being able to see the positive in a situation, and by positive, I mean seeing a situation as an opportunity to enact positive change, that supports adaptive coping. I'm not talking about like, oh, yay, glass half full, everything is wonderful. It's not about that. It's about, I know that this is an opportunity for me to strengthen my adaptive coping skills. So each time you gently introduce your child to a more optimistic explanation, and that just is so much easier to do if you do it yourself, you're creating a connection with her brain and make it more likely that her brain might go to that positive space on its own the next time. Similarly, when you see that she's stuck or she's about to give up, help her identify one thing she can control and to just act on it. Doing so strengthens the tendency of optimists to see setbacks as temporary and a challenge to be overcome. And remember, you're not doing all this for her. You're a guide, but you want to allow for her autonomy. So you give her chances to do things on her own, even if they're a little bit challenging or out of her comfort zone. And then you praise her for showing initiative, offer her choices and decision-making opportunities so that she can begin to see how the things that she's done And the choices that she's making can influence how things turn out. Because anybody who has a sense of control over things feels more resilient, making you more likely to be able to bounce back from challenges the next time. And always focus when you're bogged down by stress or overwhelmed by obstacles. This particular time is a great time to remind kids to do something to help others who are not as fortunate as they are, which it takes the focus off of the problem. It takes the focus off of the trauma of the event. In this case, we have a huge global event going on of a pandemic. But if you can remind kids to think about ways they can help other people who are not in as good of a situation as they are, that will help them build empathy, which is another crucial component of fostering resilience. Not only the empathy that I spoke of from you to your child, but also helping them 
think about being empathetic towards others. And then very obviously alongside exercise, good sleep and eating nutritious food promotes resilience so that you can have energy to cope with stress because you are not running yourself down and having unhealthy habits that can tend to just get you into a cycle of just feeling terrible and then you can't function and it's just like you you get less likely to eat healthy because you're just like, ah, screw it and you don't want to exercise. All of those things that are just part of self-care that can get thrown out the window during something like a pandemic. You want to try to help your kids get back to it because we know that someone who's got sleep and who gets nutritious food and exercise has got a much better shot at responding well to stress. Thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. Next week, I'm back with Dr. Sunia Luther. And if you are enjoying this, please don't hesitate to subscribe, rate, and review. And please send in any questions that you have on my Instagram at Raising Good Humans Podcast. And I will answer them on next week's episode or on the podcast IGTV.